0: Ready? Yep. Let's go. Healthy, healthy rainbow. Beautiful fish. <laughs> you dropped
1: him, dude. <laughs> it's done. On the squal, baby. On the squal. I got it. Right there? I got it, too. Right got it it too. Oh it's awesome. he
2: barely fits
0: in the net. Oh, my
1: God. <sighs> Sick,
0: sick, sick. Oh. But first, a word for our partners
1: Heather's Choice healthy, flavorful, dehydrated meals for the backcountry. Use our discount code, The Young Guides 15, to save at checkout.
0: Lucky Bug Lures get hooked and use our discount code, The Young Guides 15, to save at checkout.
1: Northern Knits handmade knitted wool hats out of Alaska.
0: National Wild Turkey Federation South Sound Strutters, your conservation organization for Washington State turkey populations and habitats.
1: Alaska Rodco, Alaskan handmade rods.
0: Shell Art Studio, original Alaskan focused art. Welcome back to another episode of the Young Guides Podcast. I'm Keaton and this is. I'm Kyle. And today we have Dan Atkinson on with us, uh, well known as Fly Fish Dan. Um, he does uh YouTube videos for uh fly fishermen and women of all different skill levels and uh it's just getting in and, and showing people where to fish and how to fish and you know, um just getting out there and uh, it's been really beneficial to a lot of people uh, here in Washington State and probably around the United States and the world. So uh, we're really honored for him to take some time out today and hop on our podcast. So with that being said, welcome to the podcast, Dan. Happy to he- be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, No problem. Well, let's
1: kick this thing off, Dan. Tell us uh, about your background. Tell us about yourself.
2: Well, let's see. on the On the fishing side, I've been fishing my entire life. Um, ever since I was old enough to hold a fishing pole. And it's funny, I recently did a presentation for a fly, fly Club, one of my first ones. And I was looking for some pictures in my youth. Uh, and of course, back when I was young, there wasn't any digital files. Right? You have to have a, like an actual physical photograph. And the first one I could find was my brother and I. And it was a fishing derby that's held. I think it's still held in Montecino, Washington. And ironically, he won the derby, and I'm just kind of standing next to him with a fly rod, no fish, or with a regular spinning gear, no fish. But he he won that that particular derby, and and I ended up being the person that fishes, you know, nonstop. My brother fishes a little, but not like I do. But I fished my entire youth uh, with my dad, a lot out in the Puget Sound, and my grandfather. Um, and it was, I was mid-teenager when I first picked up a fly rod. And really, from that point on, I've never looked back when it comes to fishing. But I'm born and raised in Washington State. My dad likes to tell the story that eighth generation, which brings our family like back when it was the Oregon Territory. So then a lot of my roots are in Washington and my family's roots are here as well. Cool.
0: So you said your dad and your grandfather got you into fishing, but who was like your inspiration when getting into fly fishing? Was it kind of self-fed or did you get into it? you like seeing someone do it or how did you go about that so my dad was the inspiration so
2: we fished a ton when and I think it was because I would go with them almost every Saturday and you know I'm the middle child I have an older brother and a younger sister and I was the only one willing to stay out in his Boston whaler rain or shine get up at 3 30 in the morning be home at dark and I didn't talk a lot. So I think that's probably probably why uh he would invite me to all the fishing trips. But yeah. when I became a teenager, right, you get involved in school, you get high school. Uh I'm I'm sure looking back at it, my dad was trying to build that bridge, you know, with his teenage son. So he picked up fly fishing, bought me my first fly rod and said, Hey, you gotta you gotta come try this. So my first trip was with him out to Dry Falls Lake back in the eighties, like mid eighties. And so he was, he was my inspiration for picking up the sport. And then from there, I mean, he would, he taught me some pointers along the way, but I'm pretty much self-taught from that point on. I mean, back then there wasn't YouTube and there wasn't really any instructions other than books. So you just kind of had to learn as you go. Yeah. But he was my inspiration for fly fishing for sure.
1: So where did you where did you uh go from there? Where did that uh fly fishing journey take you then once you had that first trip at Dry Falls?
2: It was um, I mean, cliche, right? I was definitely hooked on fly fishing when I first started. Just the trying to describe it recently in in a video to where there's a big difference, right? I had an I had a Shimano ultralight and would fish that a ton. When you have a fish initially strike it, I mean, you know, you feel, I mean, it's that an immediate adrenaline rush, right? When a fish hammers your, your spin gear, or your lure. Well, when you're holding onto the fly line and that happens, it's just a whole different feel. And it was not to have anything between myself really and the fish. It was like, wow, the fight was completely different. The feel was totally different. The challenge. I love the challenge of fly fishing. And I mean, I became obsessed with it really is the best way to put it. Um, Got my friends also taught friends how to fly fish after I started learning um, and fished a lot of the desert lakes in eastern Washington is where I did a ton of fishing. Um, And then from there, worked into fishing other states. From there, worked into fishing other countries and trying to catch pretty much anything and everything on a fly rod. Um, But I mean, I've, I've literally never looked back. And so I still I do traditional fish, probably it's Very little, right? It's 99.9% fly fishing. But a lot of times if I'm out in the Puget Sound, you don't always have opportunities to catch a salmon on a fly rod. So I have used traditional gear um, and downriggers and that th- type of thing during some trips, but it's mostly fly fishing from there. And I always bring the fly rod just in case, because you never know.
0: Yeah, that's rad. So you talk about like traveling, you've done all this traveling and fishing and going all these places. At what point were you like, Hey, I better put like a camera on all this while I'm doing it.
2: Interesting. You say that because I've always, I've always taken
0: still pictures, right?
2: Media in a filming type of it's, it hasn't become really easy. uh, I think in the past and since the past 10 years, right? Because even. Ten years ago, I found a couple of videos that I did. You remember the old flip camera, that little <laughs> yeah. thing? I had a few few done on that, and but to try to take video back in eighties and nineties and even two thousands, I mean, you had a camcorder, or it wasn't easy to do, right? Especially if you're doing it POV, it was almost impossible to do. Yeah. So I started. I mean, I've found some old video 20 years old of me fishing but it's terrible and shaky and whatever else the first video I ever uh, put on to YouTube was back in 2009 and it was on a flip camera and it was it was awful just terrible but that's when I started I wanted to try to to you know kind of document some of my fishing trips and at that time my kids were getting older and I thought it'd be cool for them to look back and and see it. I didn't really seriously start getting into that until about three years ago, like really filming, you know, with a purpose.
1: Yeah. Gotcha. And what, what, um, caused you to really like take it more seriously and really, really get into it? That's
2: a, it's a good story. And it's actually my wife, Amy encouraged me to do it right when the pandemic hit, um, a lot of negativity in the world, but a lot of, a lot of fear out there and, And I found myself overly obsessing about that. So one day as I'm, you know, as I'm recording the nightly news, because I wanted to hear the next update, right? It's just, it wasn't a healthy time for a lot of people right back, back when the pandemic hit. She goes, you know, you need to focus your energy on something else. And I was like, "Like what? She goes, start up a YouTube channel, teach people how to fly fish, do something other than record the nightly news. So I'm like, okay. So I decided in that moment that it was a, it was a needed, positive, creative outlook for myself, um, which then turned out to be that for others. It was this place that people could escape all the negativity. And I just wanted to spread the joy of fly fishing. And it just kind of organically took on almost a teaching as I was fishing because I felt Like I needed to let the viewers know what I was using and some of the tactics that I was doing. So it kind of organically evolved into what it is today, but it started because I needed a positive distraction for myself and realized quickly that it was, it was the same for others that were looking for that same escape away from all the bad news. And then others that were looking to get into fly fishing and, and then it just kind of took off from there. No real plan.
0: That's what I was going to ask you. I was like, did you have like any like idea of what you wanted to shape your YouTube channel into or like, but you kind of answered it there saying that you just, you just kind of went with the flow, huh? So, yeah, still am. Still am just kind of going with the flow. Yeah. I was going to say like, now do you have any plans for it or what? what's your, like when you're getting ready to plan a video, what's going through your mind? Are you like, oh, I'm going to go fish this area and make a video out of it. Or are you um, just like, when I'm, you're like a buddy asks you to go fishing and you're like, I'm taking my camera with me and we're making something of this. So I've, uh, that is also
2: evolved. So I, I have, uh, I've never sat down and really written the script for anything. Everything I talk about is really just kind of off the cuff. And when I find inspiration, I'll just talk about a subject and film it. Um, you know, I've learned a lot of things along the way to tell a better story with adding B roll and, uh, uh, to make uh, visuals out of some of the things that I say. A lot of trips I'll, I'll go out and, you know, I just want to get out there and fish and then it'll evolve in the moment as well. It'll evolve during the day. I'll have an idea that pops up middle of the trip and say, hey, you know, I probably should talk to anyone that's watching that that might want to know how to fish an indicator or this tactic that I was doing, fishing a streamer that might help them catch fish. So, it literally evolves while I'm fishing. And I really don't, sometimes I go with a plan in mind and then it completely changes throughout the day as well. But I have sat down and done some plan videos like some of the gift giving ideas that I've done or especially today, um, it's, it's tough as a creator to continue to find new things to talk about so what I've done now is is started started to tell some of the backstories on some of the trips that I've taken. I'm sitting at you know I have a little lake trailer that I'll sit by the fire and just tell the story of what happened on this particular trip, and then play some of the clips that I that I took to kind of bring viewers in on how that trip came about and why I go there and why it might be special to me and things like that. So my I really have a very loose agenda on. And I have inspiration from other creators, and things that happen in my life, or people that ask questions that inspire me to make the next video. Yeah, that's cool.
0: That's rad. But I
2: do love, I love the creative process. I mean, it's been, it's been, uh, uh, it's been good, good for me in that, in that creative process, and just kind of getting all the stuff and imagination I've always had out in a video. I mean, I'm not the greatest editor on um, on the store on the planet, but you know, it's I really enjoy getting into the editor room and creating the story that I just experienced, you know, the day before.
1: Oh, gotcha. So, what would you say? Like, what is your YouTube looking like now? I mean, back when you first started, like you were saying, you we were kind of letting it transform and grow on itself. What is it? What does it look like now for your channel?
2: Well, it's still, you know, it's still definitely a, a DIY channel. I mean, yeah. a, a party of one, right? Me, myself, that's it. I taught oh. myself how to edit. So my edits are, are it's not great. It's, it's definitely YouTube-esque, but I've gotten a lot better with the editing and I've gotten some great tips along the way from people that have reached out to me um, to kind of give me some editing tips. One in particular, I've, I have a pretty good story behind that as well, if you're interested in hearing that, but yeah, go for it. So I I thought initially when I was editing, you know, I had all these tools at the ready with all these different transition, you know, flip screens and turning around and, you know, blurring in and out and things like that. And I had a guy reach out to me and said, hey, <clears throat> you know, I'll trade you. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, well, I've got some editing tips for you. Uh, but I also, you know, kind of want to know where your secret Alpine Lake is. So if you let me know where that Alpine Lake is, I'll trade you with for some some editing tips that I think that will make a big difference on your channel. So I engaged him a little bit more and, and, you know, I'm thinking, is this guy just trying to find my, you know, my secret lake that I've been fishing and, and posting. So then he, uh, so I was like, you know, are you, uh, you know, is this real type of thing? So he, he sends me a picture of an Emmy and I'm looking, I'm like, really, <laughs> this can't be real. And I'm like, is that a real Emmy? Then he sends me a picture of five Emmys. And I zoom in on him, it and it's his name on it. He was an Emmy award-winning director and producer for Colo News for like 20, 30 years. Wow! And and I was like, okay, this guy's definitely got some credibility. His name's James Owen. I, he wouldn't mind me uh, letting you guys know who he is. And from there, I mean, we've we've evolved into a great friendship. And he's he gave me some tips on editing. Um. And they were so powerful. One of the first videos I did that was under his tutelage uh, ended up making um, Orvis, uh, their Friday night film festival. And that was one of the first videos that made that that uh, Orvis page because he showed me how to tell a better story visually. And he and I have become great friends and fished together. And he's just a solid guy. But the, the evolution of that story is so cool just the way that it kind of turned out and and one of the the uh, one of the biggest benefits of this whole youtube journey are some of the people that i've met along the way like james yeah that's rad yeah it's pretty cool
1: so how have you kind of i guess made your way into the fishing industry like how have you made connections how have you seen yourself you know go from maybe somebody that was just fishing and, um, now growing into, you know, I, I would put you, um, and like, um, like an educator, I guess, in the industry. Um, somebody who, um, is a, I would say your name in the industry, right? Like you go to your YouTube page, you pop up, you know, I'll, I'll see your stuff on my own when um, I'm browsing through YouTube. So I would say you're kind of becoming a name in the industry. Um, you're creating content, what would you like, what did that whole process look like and, and how do you view yourself in that?
2: Well, I definitely, uh, I'm, uh, and I, I said this also in my, one of my first presentations at a, at a uh, fly group, fly fishing group, I said, I'm, I'm no expert, right? I mean, I think one of the, the appeal of my channel is that uh, I know a lot about fly fishing and I have a lot of practical experience. You know, I've been casting a fly rod for 35 years you know, but for me to name every single fly that's out there or all the terminology that's out there in fly fishing, I don't know everything. And I think that's part of my appeal is that I take some of that intimidation out of the sport. I mean, if you have somebody that really nerds out on fly fishing, go for it, right? If you want to know every single size of every single bug there is and every single fly tying tool and all that, then great. But I just, I never did that myself. I, I understand how to fly fish and, and the basics. And I have success when I fly fish. And I think that's part of my appeal on the YouTube channel that even though, you know, I don't, I don't perceive myself as an expert, I can certainly help somebody that's new to the sport or maybe have, has, hasn't thought of a certain way or a certain strategy to catch more fish or help them with their casting their fly rod, that type of thing. So I've, I've turned into kind of a, James called me the the every man's fly fisherman type of thing to where I'm, I can be relatable because I don't get stuck in the weeds when it comes to all the nuances that fly fishing offers and why I think a lot of people stay away from the sport because they think it's too complicated. So I try to strip that away and I think that comes across in my YouTube video uh, videos and, I'm, um, and I've always spoke about that in my life and all the people that I've taught how to fly fish is it's kind of strip away the intimidation factor when it comes to, um, fly fishing.
0: Yeah. I would just like to say too, you know, you've talked about coming in during like the pandemic and, and everything, and you really set the tone for all these new people coming in. Cause at that time, a bunch of new anglers were showing up, you know, to join our, our wonderful party of fly fishermen and women. So and it's a good inspiration for these new people getting in and then you know the questions like you said you know your videos are relatable they're simple not like you're not getting too in depth where a new angler would be like well i fly fish dan said i needed this size 22 midge with a gold head and a black you know body you were just like I'm using this shape right here and and we're fishing it and I'm catching fish. So if you can get in this ballpark, go fish it. And then people, you know, from what I would see on like the fly fishing Washington page and stuff, they're like, Hey, this tip really worked great. I didn't get it exactly, but I caught fish. Thank you, Dan. You know? So that was, that's really cool to see and see how you've, uh, essentially like bloomed, you know, out of that. So.
2: And that, that is my why, right. Um, I, I continue doing this because of stuff like that, right. To be able to inspire others to get out there and fly a fish, inspire the younger generation to pick it up, inspire the older generation to get back out there and pick it up again. Yeah. That's, that's my why. Right. And it's, um, it's been humbling. You know, some of the, some of the messages that I've gotten are just humbling. Uh, with people reaching out to me. And, you know, I had a 16-year-old kid reach out to me and give me a super thanks, which is this little heart you can press on YouTube. And he donated $2.99 and just said, you know, I just wanted to find a way to give back and thank you for everything you're doing. And it's a 16-year-old kid, right? To be able to have influence on somebody who's 16, who's in a stage of their life where they could go lots of different directions, right? As teenagers, yeah. that that's a pretty humbling and cool thing to do. And And then to to have some of the older generation reach out and say, hey, you know, I've sat down the fly rod for years. And after watching your videos, I just had to get back out there and do it again. So I think I'm like in this perfect age group to where I can inspire the younger generation and be viewed as somebody, you know, who, who knows how to fly fish and has success. And also the older generation that may have fished their entire lives, but just for whatever reason, know in their lives just haven't fished for a while they they get inspired to go back out there and do it again so it's uh it's been a super cool and humbling experience
0: um and that is my why that's cool so with the with the good comments comes bad comments right how do you go about uh dealing with those negative comments and naysayers i mean at the end of the day people are always going to say stuff right and it's especially easy in this age of technology behind a, a screen in a comment section you know you say something um and essentially like people get af- you know afraid to ask questions and this is but you're like that that person pushing through staying positive and doing good things for the industry so what what do you do to combat uh the, like the negative questions or not so, questions, comments.
2: If, if we're being completely candid, right? That, that is something that, that I struggle with at times um, and can can be tough to manage. Um, you have to have a thick skin, right? Early on, that was really new to me. I was surprised on some of the, you know, they call them trolls, things like that. I was really surprised on some of the negative comments that come through. Now, granted, out of all the comments, right, that I received, Maybe one percent are negative, but a lot of times a, a re- friend recently described it to me. Is some of those comments are like a sliver, right? They're just they get under your skin and they're they, they're aggravating and they hurt for a while, right? So I have to I have to I have to work at it at times, especially as I continue to get bigger and in, in that platform, my reach is greater, so that one percent becomes a bigger number. And it's, it's sometimes, excuse me, It sometimes is tough to filter out some of the negative comments. And a lot of times I'm successful at it and can just move past. And sometimes they, they, they get to me. And it's something that I have to to work on and continue to work on that the negative part and remember the why, right. Remember the why that I'm doing it. And that helps, helps manage through some of the, the negativity, but it's, it's, you know, you get those keyboard warriors out there that just want to tear you down for whatever reason. And, you know, I block some people on Instagram for that. I block some people on Facebook for that. I can mute people on the YouTube channel. So, you know, they have to get pretty snarky with me uh, for for me to, to do that, uh, because I think everyone should have a voice and opinion, just like I do. But if it becomes really disrespectful, you know, in my own mind, I have kind of a two strike rule, right? If you continue to do that, then I'm just going to mute you and you know you don't need to be part of the message that I'm trying to spread which is positivity kindness inclusiveness accessibility all of that Um but it, it you know it's interesting you asked me that question because just recently I had to block a couple people on Instagram because I rarely ever name the spots that I fish rarely but there were a couple of people on Instagram that were recognized the spot I was fishing and essentially were laying down some not very nice comments and and saying not very nice things about you know if they were to see me out there filming again so you know that that's the kind of stuff that kind of is the sliver on occasion um, mm-hmm. but you know when you put yourself out there like I have you have to be prepared to manage some of that and I do my best to have a kind response and not lash out and take the high road and that's that's really the best way to handle anyone that's just looking to spread negativity right try to kill them with kindness
0: it's the crazy thing to me about this the whole thing about negative comments and people getting mad about hot spotting and stuff is like the age of technology that we're in in all the different platforms not just your platform but like all you know youtube people talking on facebook groups people talking over instagram like that spot has probably been talked about like hundreds of times maybe thousands of times and people just don't realize it but when you put it into uh, a video and and people don't realize too is that just because you put it in a video doesn't mean everyone's gonna go out and just bombard it that's the thing that i don't get with like the negative comments is like you make a video people and it's like they're expecting just thousands of people to show up on it and it's like that's not necessarily the case and not everyone's going to be able to look at a, a place in the background and go oh i know exactly where that spot is i'm going to go and fish it so
2: the only people that can do that are the people that have been there before yeah. and i've had i've had that conversation you know if if there's a prominent landmark somewhere you know i'm careful to keep that out of the video if i want to keep the place private but if there's a random field and a hill behind me. The only people that are going to recognize that are the people that have fished it before. No one is going to be able to triangulate where I'm at based off of my, my background. Right. And you said it perfectly, right. It's, it's, it, you know, the, what what we do and what I do, it's about inspiring others to get out there and try to sport and fly fish, not pave a roadmap to, to where to go or all my favorite spots. I share a few that are very commonly known. Like the Yakima River, Coldwater Lake, or the couple that I talk about all the time, but you know that everything else, though, just because it's on video, exactly as you said, doesn't mean there's going to be hordes of people that show up. Because the reality is, uh, there's no way that they're going to know where I am at if I don't talk about it. Period. Yeah. The only people that know are the people who've been there. Yeah, totally agree. So, what about but that when- was? So, so that was a lear- that was a learning thing for me and early on when i first started with YouTube channel like i'm here in the yakima river i'm here on this river i'm here river. like Ooh. you know it's it's not about me naming all the spots it's about me inspiring getting people out there so i've shifted gears when it comes to naming where i'm fishing because at the end of the day you know i have a few people that will private message me and and ask and and i have accommodated some people uh with information but um it's definitely a balance, right? It's, uh, but I, I learned that it's not, it's not, it's not about hot spotting every place I go, right? It's about inspiring people to get out there.
0: Yeah. And you know, the areas you go and fish, like you fish on, like, you can tell the scenery, right? Like, I think the takeaway that people should take away is that the things that you fish and that you're using can work in a lot of the same geographical areas in that time frame, right? So like, if you're fishing a Western Washington river and you use this certain pattern, I mean, there's a few things that change up, but for the most part, you can go out and fish something closer or nearby you and still get that the same results.
2: I agree.
1: So what about, um, do people recognize you when you're on the water and you're filming is, have you ever had any, I guess, confrontations about that or is it mostly like positive, interactions with people
2: 99.99 percent positive so i've only i've only had one uh, interaction recently in eastern washington that i would say it was not very positive and that was one of the people that i ended up blocking on instagram um but that aside the the it's kind of a it's i'm not i'm not super used to that yet because there was always anonymity right when i'm out there fly fishing prior to the youtube channel people just saw me as another angler and now and it's often when i go out i'm recognized and it's it's kind of shocking and my stepson kobe i think gets a little bit annoyed with it on occasion when people come up aren't you fly fish dan kind of thing i watch your videos and he's like rolling his eyes come on dan let's go fishing um but i ran into somebody i'm out i'm in avery idaho and was and took a turn down a road that that ended up this was last year took a took a turn down a road that was blocked and somebody was kind of flagging us down and as soon as we pulled up I could tell immediately that person recognized me and said aren't you and I'm like I'm in Avery Idaho how does somebody recognize me from over there so it is uh it is it's kind of fun but also a little bit unnerving when somebody recognizes you because the crazy thing about YouTube is that people get to know you on YouTube, right? Because I'm my authentic self when I'm on YouTube, but I've never met them, right? So they feel that they know me. So there's this this level of comfort that they have with me that that I have to, you know, I have to remember, right? Okay, this, this person feels like they know me. So that's why they're being so forward, I guess you could say, because they've been watching me on YouTube. So it's been it's been kind of fun, but also a little bit like wow, just kind of a a, a different feeling to be to be recognized. Of course, when I'm out, out on the river, but it's it's almost every time a positive reaction. I've only had one, I would call a negative type of reaction, and it was in a particular fishery that's not fished very often, and I had my iPhone sitting on the chest, so that was the only uh, the negative run I have. But a lot of people. A lot of people, uh, I don't maybe. Maybe it's because when they see me and I'm six foot seven, two hundred and thirty five pounds, <laughs> people are like, "Holy crap!" And they don't want to confront me. So, yeah, that is one thing. People maybe they're shocked at how tall I am. <laughs>
0: that's, like, that's like when we went out fishing because in your videos you only see like chest up, right? So you can't get an idea of how tall you are, right? I went out fishing with you this summer. We made that that video, and um, I was just like, "Holy mackerel! You're way <laughs> taller than I expected," and I'm a pretty tall guy too. I'm I know. Like, I was like, you towered over me. So,
2: yeah, that what well, that was uh, that was definitely a subject when I was uh, I spoke with the Puget Sound Fly Club, and they were just like, like staring straight up at me, <laughs> you know, just like, "Holy crap!" That
1: super surprised look.
0: Yeah,
1: and then there's me when Keaton and I met up. He was like looking down at me the whole time.
0: <laughs> it's small, medium, and large right here. You know, we're just in the in order. Yeah, so. size 15, waiting boot. Dang. I'm a 13. <laughs> I, I'm a they're nine. Like, they're like giant.
2: I mean, they're huge. It didn't even look like they should fit my feet. <laughs> wow. Okay. So Dan is is YouTube your
1: like is it a side gig right now is it a main job is there any any um aspirations of becoming full gig or
2: you know there always is that dream right when i first started i had no idea you know trying to get my first 100 subscribers was was a long process and just you know putting out a video that you put all this energy and time in and getting 98 views was like but again the reason why i started right is i needed that positive distraction for myself so who cares and then when it started to grow and i became part of the youtube partner program and all of a sudden now you know you get a little money for that it's not a lot of money right it's it's people have a a perception that you know youtubers are making tons of money they're not so it's definitely a side gig and the reason why i can manage it because i'm at my full-time job right here, which takes takes a lot of time and energy, which I enjoy it. Um, my passion is fly fishing and secondarily, right, is is creating these videos and creating content and inspiring others. So because I'm an empty nester now, you know, my both well, my wife's son and my kids are out of the house and living their own lives. They're all in their 20s, allows me the time to do it. And a very supportive wife. She's she has been instrumental of, of me being able to get where I'm at today and spend the time that I need to, to, to be able to make this, you know, a successful venture. But, you know, it does, it's 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 kind of, a, it is a side gig today. You know, I've aligned, I've been very careful on who I align with. I've, it's amazing when you, when you start to grow on YouTube, how many people start reaching out to you about, hey, you know, we'd like to send you some free gear. Hey, you know, we want you to to represent this. Hey, we want you to represent that. Companies I'd never heard of before. So I was super careful on who I decided to align with because, you know, I was developing this trust, right, on YouTube about being very open and honest about, and candid about the gear that I use and what I think about them. I didn't want to align myself with anything I didn't believe in. So I've been super careful to align myself with companies that, that align, you know, with, with my philosophies and what I integrity and honesty and all those things. So I've, I've, uh, I have a couple of sponsorships that are from family owned companies. I also like doing that, right. Uh, supporting the family owned companies that check all those boxes. So, you know, today it's not a big earner. It, it helps pay for gas and helps pay for a guided trip every once in a while, or helps, uh, you know, pay for lodging when I go places type of thing. So it's, it's, uh, it's allowing this hobby not to be super expensive, but I still, I still buy the majority of my gear, right? If I'm buying fly rods and fly reels and flies, I'm buying that most of the time. Um, So it's a pretty big investment, as you know, fly fishing. So it's (laughs) kind of nice to have something that's bringing in a little bit of income to be able to uh, pay for that. But, you know, I have dreams that, that, uh, that maybe one day, you know, could really blow into something big. And I mean, how cool would it be to fly fish for a living? Seriously. I mean, no matter how good your regular job is, how cool would it be to fly fish for a living? I mean, that would be just tremendous. I couldn't, so that, that would be, that would be the dream, right. To be able to just do this for a living. But, I'd need a probably a few hundred thousand more subscribers, if not a couple million and a couple, you know, and the brand deals to really start generating some income. Yeah, absolutely. So what is it but like? I- I'll go, don't for- go ahead. Well, I, uh, the evolution, right? So uh, pretty excited to to tell you guys are going to be the first people to know. So um, I just i guess he called signed a deal but i came to an agreement with flywater travel i'm going to be a pro host and okay. uh, i'm going to i'm going to be hosting my first trip this year to the bahamas so those are the kind of doors that this can open right it's uh, uh i'm super excited about it but i'm just literally Got off the phone, the guy that used to own the Puget Sound Fly Company, Anil, he now works for Flywater Travel and kind of put this in motion for me and talked to me about it. So I'm going to be doing my first hosted trip to Andros Island, Bahamas in December. So it's, those are the kind of really cool doors that, that this journey can open up for me. Uh, and I'm just super excited to, to be a part of their team and doing this with them.
0: That's so cool what an exciting congratulations
2: thanks yeah it's super cool i'm really excited about it
0: that's awesome So hope i can
2: fill the trip <laughs> otherwise it won't be so exciting nah i don't want to go dan
1: <laughs> yeah no let us know we'll definitely uh put links up to that so people can sign up if they want to go out with you we'll for sure uh, shout you out for that
2: thanks yeah okay. uh, but today definitely definitely just to you know A passion that's turned you know called a a side gig or whatever but it's it's a it's a passion that in my free time i'm exploring and just just trying to trying to entrench myself in the industry in every way i can the fun parts
1: yeah no that's awesome that's awesome so what is it like trying to manage then you know your personal life but also your full-time job and then you know I know, I know that it's not just the fishing part, right? It's the recording while you're fishing. It's the editing. When you get back, it's the publishing on YouTube. How do you manage all of those things? And then, you know, working with partner companies, how do you work them into your videos and when you're creating content?
2: So it's a process and I've gotten pretty good at it now that I've been doing this for about three years. So I've learned how to better film. So I will film and. two to three minute increments. And if nothing exciting happens in that moment, I'll just delete it. So the only footage that I'll come back with, generally I'll come back with 50 to hundred clips. They're all something though, whether it's B-roll or caught a fish or I said something or did something that might be interesting. So it's already pre-packaged during filming. And I, and I have an idea of where I want to go. I also can film two to five videos per trip. So people have the perception that I fish all the time, but I I do fish a lot, but I don't fish all the time. I can build two, three, four videos out of one trip and then release them over a period of two weeks, right? To keep content rolling on YouTube because that's how you you become successful on YouTube is having consistent uploads and good content. Um, And then when I get home, I've gotten really proficient at, I use a software called Filmora, and um, very proficient. So I can I can whip out a eight minute video in a couple of hours, because there's not a lot of fancy stuff that I do within it. It's generally all point you know my perspective, POV type filming. So it's just building a visual story along the way. You know, um, in with some of the selfie shots that I do explaining what I'm doing, some. I do a little bit of uh, narration over some clips as well, but I can put together a trip really in just a few hours after fishing. So there's definitely an investment in time, um, you know, Monday through Friday, I'm pretty committed to what I'm doing right here. That's the week, I'm a weekend warrior. So usually I, res- I reserve a day to go fishing and then I'll reserve a day to, to do the edits. And again, circling back to a very supportive wife. she you know she supports me in the time that it takes to do that but of course i uh, i make sure i have a healthy balance between um, personal life outside of youtube personal passion of youtube and fly fishing and sharing my passion and obligations of work so i I've, I've been able to find that that balance and it's certainly helped i don't feel as much pressure now that i can film four or five videos out of one trip Right, I might not fish for two weeks, but you'd never know it on YouTube. Yeah, like right now, I have probably two and a half weeks of videos in the queue that's still ready to be launched. Cool,
1: that's rad. And I would, I mean, I've dabbled in YouTube a little bit, not not a lot. And I would, I would assume, you know, having that stuff in the queue is going to help you to stay, you know, like relevant in like youtube youtube algorithms to try to bring up your your
2: views right on your videos yeah the biggest um the biggest piece of youtube that i've been able to successful successfully leverage is youtube shorts so they're similar to instagram reels i got in pretty early with the understanding that youtube shorts could really help with the channel's growth so i started just filming and uploading a lot of short clips and in fact, I went on a in the beginning of the of last year, I went on a strategic mission of uploading at least five shorts a week. And now the YouTube algorithm understands that that I produce some engaging fishing shorts. And I'll I'll get a lot of views on the shorts, which then helps with my discoverability and reach. It doesn't do anything monetarily, but it, it helps with the channel growth. And so people that typically may not have been suggested my video on their homepage or, or found it. If they search fly fishing might discover my content with a, with a short and realize, Oh God, I get that all the time. Right. I can't believe I haven't found your channel. This is so great. And they discovered it through a short. So I've been able to, to leverage that piece of, of YouTube that YouTube is putting a ton of resources in to grow because they of course want to squash TikTok and Instagram and, and, uh, and be the leader in short form content. So I was, discovered that earlier on early on and it certainly helped with the channel's growth
0: yeah is there a, a level of competition on youtube do you find yourself like trying to uh, go back and forth those other channels or do you feel like the youtube um like your other fellow youtubers are pretty supportive of like each other uh
2: so there is a level of competition but um I've taken a different approach and that's collaboration. So not not a lot of other creators you know you have to you have to build some trust on the platform before another creator would acknowledge you because there're a lot of there are a lot of folks on YouTube trying to be successful and I think a lot of a lot of other people potentially could be it's could be more self-serving right like they they want to collaborate with some big creators but yet they're not putting real energy into their own YouTube channels so I've taken the approach of not I mean they're they're considered my competitors but I don't consider them my competitors like I've had some recent interaction with John Hardman from Hardman Fishing Adventures in fact one of the videos that are in the queue I'm going to give him a big shout out because I was inspired after watching one of his videos on a setup that he bought in Walmart about how I can continue that message, so I gave him a shout out, pointing to his video. He has no idea that's coming, by the way, so it'll be a surprise to him. But I've interacted a little bit with him on on Facebook, and he had mentioned that, "Oh yeah, your videos get recommended to me all the time." So I I could see that he he'll definitely be a collaborator one day. Um, one of the one of the toughest bridges to build is with the huge fly fisherman, but I've I've re- recently had some interaction with Ben, great guy. Great channel, far different than mine, right? It's definitely the snarkier side of fly fishing, but he has a he has built some great content and has really worked hard to build what he's built. And I look forward to one day doing more things with Ben. And he actually recently gave me a shout out on a, he did a live question and answer and I happened to be in on the chat and watching it and I asked him a question about hosting, right? I, I needed some advice for him, uh, from him about hosting and he then sent me an email with this really just outlined here's all the things that I learned about hosting trips and he is the reason why I was able to land the deal with fly flywater travel 100% of his coaching he didn't need to take that time and energy to do that for me but you know I'd been interacting with him a little bit on and off with the channel and posed a good question on one of his live chats and he offered to you know shoot me an email and and uh, I'll tell you a little bit about it. He wrote me this paragraph of all of the pitfalls and challenges and things he learned along the way, which helped me in uh, what happened with Fly Router Travel. It wasn't for his collaboration; I would have never, I wouldn't have been able to do it as quickly as I've done it. So I've always considered other creators right because I know how much work goes in to building a successful YouTube channel that. Um, I have a lot of respect for others that, that put in that hustle and time and energy. So it's, I'm now building a lot of, uh, uh, collaborations with these people and maybe one day even friendships. That's rad.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's, and I look at it the very same way with, um, fellow podcasts, right? You can only, everybody um, can only help themselves right. To get better. You, it's you grow more when you work together as opposed to working against each other.
2: I yeah.
0: uh, agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. What I was going to, I was going to add on to that too, is it's pretty crazy how uh, when you like necessarily offer kindness and like welcome kind of attitude, how uh, people will reciprocate that back to you a lot of the time. And it, it's been really cool to be like part of this uh building this podcast and i'm i'm sure you feel the same way about your youtube channel and having you know people just random people reach out and be like hey i love your podcast we'll give you a shout out on our podcast and like you didn't even ask they just do it and then you're like wow i really like these you share their stuff and then you're building a friendship and you get to get invited on other podcasts and stuff as well so just just a really cool uh atmosphere to be in they you wouldn't expect
2: yeah totally and it's uh you know if it and if it happens organically like that that's what it's really it's it's pretty cool right and uh i see that too on youtube if creators want to help other creators be successful and i've had some smaller channels reach out to me and ask me for advice and, and i have no problem right i'm not i don't feel just because my channel's now almost thirty thousand subscribers oh i'm not going to talk to somebody with only 500 you know i was there not there long ago and and got some great tips on some bigger youtubers and creators to help me grow my channel so i want to extend that same kindness that other people have showed me along the way to help them with with their journey too if they want to if they want to put in the time and energy to be successful on the platform
0: that's awesome
2: yeah pay it forward Right. Yep. Bring about what you think about all those things. Right. It's i I'm a firm believer in karma. Good karma.
0: Yeah. You want to build that up in the bank because you yep. never know when you're going to need it. Yep.
1: <clears throat> so Dan, I I know you mentioned it um before. And of course you mentioned that you're going to be hosting trips, but do you get a travel much for your videos or do you tend to stick more around Pacific Northwest or do You aspire again to travel more in the future for YouTube.
2: So today, it, uh, it's it's usually state to state. So I I travel. I have um, yearly fishing licenses for Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Montana. So I do a lot of my fishing in those states because today I don't have a ton of vacation time. So I have to be kind of the weekend warrior. And a lot of my vacation, I'll just butt up against a weekend so I can go. You know, to one of my favorite new spots or in Eastern Oregon or fish in Montana. I have a lot of places that I visit in Montana and Idaho and even in Washington. Um, So today it's it's pretty local. I do, I found a passion though for tropical fly fishing. Happened when I was 25 years old. My dad bought me a trip to Christmas Island for my 25th birthday. And he and I went to Christmas Island and caught bonefish and giant trevally on a fly rod and I realized I'm not cold, right? These fish are nuts when they, when they fight, it's nuts. Like, I don't know if you've ever caught a bonefish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Imagine casting at a jet ski going by and then trying to stop it. I mean, that's, that's what it's like catching a bonefish. So, you know, yeah. trout occasionally give you a nice run, but the bonefish a lot of times won't stop until there's no backing left. So it's, it's just not, nu- it's nuts, right? So I, I found this passion for, for tropical fly fishing, and now since the pandemic, I've been going nuts because I haven't done it. I I would go to Hawaii at least once a year. uh My wife and I go to Maui, and I know some secret spots for giant bonefish, and have garnered <laughs> a lot of success. and figured it out in 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 Hawaii, so I would love to to do some other videos outside of the Pacific Northwest. But right now, it's just a matter of finding time to be able to do that, and. That hosted trip and part of the reason why i chose bone fishing is because i know it i've had a lot of success with bone fishing i've been doing it for over 25 years and you know feels very familiar and comfortable Um, i don't know if i call myself a bonefish expert but i've certainly figured out how to catch them anywhere i go and yeah i mean i think if my dream were to come true kyle and this became a living i would be doing a ton of fishing in the Pacific Northwest, but I'd be going to warm spot uh, destinations often. I dig it. Yeah. So <clears throat> I didn't sorry. get up to Alaska. I did do that about a year and a half ago, which was amazing. we DIY trip and found a Creek that was loaded full of giant trout. It's pretty crazy. And grayling.
1: Yeah. They're, uh, Surprisingly, it's surprising what um, little bodies of water up here hold uh, fish.
2: Pretty incredible stuff.
1: It is. So, what does um, you know your a weekend trip? Can you break down what that might look like? You know, planning wise, um, your trip heading over there or or heading wherever you're going. Um, and then like, how does the filming work into that? Like, can you break down from the moment you, you think about a place you want to go film to, you know, getting that up on to YouTube after that trip has been filmed and edited and produced?
2: A lot of times, a lot of my trips are spontaneous, like the one with Keaton, uh, that was completely spontaneous and just, I mean, no time to plan, right? I just brought the, I asked Keaton, I said, you mind if I do a little filming? And he, I brought the camera along and in the moment is when it just, evolves, right. Uh, And that I didn't go with the plan at all. Some of my trips, I've taken some couple of day trips. And in my mind, I'll be thinking about things that I might want to do. But a lot of times, most of the time, it evolves in the trip itself. Um, You know, as I'm, as I'm filming, I will capture moments and keep them, you know, saved on the iPhone that I think might be interesting for later and delete the ones that I don't. And part of, part of, I think the appeal that I have on, on my channel is that it is authentic and organic and I don't really plan anything. I mean, there's occasionally if I sit down and I'm talking about a certain strategy or I'm doing a casting video or trying to help somebody out there, that's more planned. But when I'm fishing, it's just me fishing and taking things as they come and trying to capture that in the moment. Uh, And I get really excited when I'm done to be able to To go back into the editing room and and download everything off my iPhone and put it into the editing software and begin to tell the story. I mean, I'm to the point to where it's almost obsessive, where I cannot wait to tell the story. I mean, fishing's first, but a close second is is in the editing room telling the story. I love putting a little bit of music behind it, you know, to try to catch a vibe. And um, yeah, it's I really enjoy that storytelling process. But much of that is unplanned, spontaneous organic and evolves as the day evolves but my process is to film everything on a chest mount mostly you know i do whenever i'm talking to the camera i'm what's also helped too is i feel like i'm talking to the person that's watching the video right and and that's helped a ton with perspective and feeling comfortable on camera is it's no different than me talking to you right now that's the i'm talking to another that one person that decided to click on my video i'm going to talk to that person. And, and then during the day it, it evolves and I come home and download it all on my computer. And sometimes I'm up until midnight, you know, doing the, doing the editing, because I cannot wait just to kind of get what's up here on in the editor room and on film. But a lot of times it's the next day when it's all done and finished up and uploaded to YouTube. And then, then of course, there's things you have to do for search optimization, right? I want it to be, you know, I want to be able to, capture the moment or the story in a good title so there's there's some behind the scenes things that you have to do as well because when you consider there are i don't know how many i I looked at the stat once how many billions of videos that are on youtube like it's in the billions like how many how many videos do you look at in one session right when you're when you're thumbing up you might look at maybe 50 thumbnails yeah of billions that are on YouTube so you have to have a thumbnail that's intriguing a title that's intriguing so that somebody give even gives you the chance to be able to tell the story by clicking on your video then you need to deliver right away right so there I've learned through james right that that who taught me some of the editing stories to create a hook right to where somebody might see a big fish cod and then I cut just before I net it so it brings intrigue oh I can't wait to see what, what he caught yeah. or that tip that he wanted to talk about. So there's definitely a strategy on how to tell a good story to keep people engaged uh, on your video.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, i that, never really thought of it like that, you know?
2: Yeah. I mean, you have to, you know, it may be the greatest story ever, but if you don't have a good cover on that book,
0: nobody want nobody will read it. Yeah. So is there certain things that you have to do behind the camera to give your make yourself, you know, not sounds like sleepy or uh make yourself appear like, you know, exciting. Do you do anything of that sort? No, I think
2: uh I think after you fishing in Keaton, you you can see that my my energy is pretty much like it is when I'm fishing, so yeah. You know, I get pretty jazzed up when I when I catch a fish and when I'm out there because I'm in my place. Right. It's I don't know. I mean, you, you probably know it's it's a spiritual thing for me almost. You know, when I'm in my element, part of what I love about fly fishing is that's all I think about. So what I found is that translates on film when I'm when I'm just generally speaking, you do have to bring a level of energy right that you would have Um uh, so that you don't sound boring. So I'm just very much like in what's helped me in the beginning, when I first started, I was talking to my my phone and it came across that way. As soon as I was able to mentally picture you on the other side of that camera and I'm talking to you and I'm talking to Kyle what I'm doing, that's when it all changed, right? Because now I sound like I am right now talking with you on camera. Because I'm visualizing that person that took the time to click on the video and watch it, so I'm going to talk to that person like they're standing right in front of me. That's awesome, and that's when it's when it all changed. But the uh, some of the people have asked me before. You know, they they're like, "Does he really get that excited about fish?" I recently had a I had a, a, a piece of short content go viral recently. And um, a lot of the comments are, why is he breathing so hard? How can he be so breathing so hard? He's out of shape, you know, yeah. less cake, more fishing, you know, type of thing. A lot of those kind of comments, but I'm thinking it's just adrenaline, right? If, when, yeah. I, when I saw those three big fish cruising the shore and I was sitting back eating lunch and I immediately grabbed my fly rod and I'm trying to pull out line and get, get it so I can, before they get past, yeah. I mean, that, that energy and that enthusiasm is real. And comes and thankfully it comes across on film yeah
0: you know i that's like i was just trying to kind of talk about the tip that you're like you know you got to kind of pronounce a little louder but truly you are like that way you're just excited to be out there excited to be fishing so if anyone has any doubts about Flyfish dan here <laughs> i can prove to you that that don't doubt it at all that's just who he is well, thank you, but occasionally I have to edit out. I, I mispronunciate
2: something, or you know, I have uh, I'll have brain farts along the way that I have to edit out. As I'm talking about something that that'll happen, but I've but I found that I'm more fluid now that I'm more comfortable uh, and change that mindset. I'm more fluid, but I still misspeak like we all do, and you know, mispronounce words or whatever else that happens. Yeah. But fortunately, by the power of editing, you just
0: cut that out. Exactly. Never I happened. mean, <laughs> never happened. Exactly. The thing you got to remember too, just like what happens on YouTube videos or, or podcasts or wherever is like where people, you know, I think people with get caught up and everything has to be perfect, but like people are going to stutter when they're excited about something or they're going to trip over words when they're trying to explain a long thing. And it's like, it's just the way it is. I mean, I know a lot of people that do it. So
2: And that's a good point. And part of of my evolution in these videos as well is I used to cut out when I snagged the bottom, snagged the tree, hit myself, tangled the line, all the things that happened, I'd edit that out. And I realized, you know, that's not real. So I started to put some of those situations in my videos and people are like thanking me saying, you know what, thanks for showing the not so glamorous side of fly fishing as well. Because even though I've been doing it forever, I'll still get fly strikes or cast my entire Nymp dropper setup on top of my indicator things like that And, and it's real right that's that's what happens when you fly fish in fact i have enough footage i could probably put together a pretty good gag reel i did one trip on a i was in oregon fishing uh fishing one of the uh cascade rivers and i didn't catch a fish But I lost more flies and more setups. I ended up launching the video anyway because it's just me beeping out all the swear words and everything else because I literally caught nothing but trees, rocks, logs the entire trip. But when I launched it, it was a real popular video just because people were like, ah, it doesn't happen just to me. It even happens to somebody
0: that fishes all the time like myself. Being pure, yeah. I mean, I I went out fishing (laughs) for the first time in a few months and I was like, that first couple casts to get yourself going again i was like oh my gosh i would you know i I would have thought i'd never fished before and then finally i kind of got the rhythm of things but um it's just it's just that happens to the best of us yep
1: well and i I think too that's that's a big thing about your platform right on youtube that's why i go to youtube because you know, when it comes to, let's say, like, Sportsman's channel or the outdoor channel, whatever, those people, you know, in a half hour, they have, what, in reality, 22 minutes So they have to cram everything in, right? So, you're only seeing those highlights. You're not seeing all that extra stuff, whereas when you're able to put it into your own form and you're able to edit it how you want it, you can add that stuff that makes it more realistic, right? The, the raw, the real stuff where you don't have that. 22 minutes, you got to cram all the good stuff in. You're actually able to show the whole experience and it, it just feels more realistic for the viewer it's not 22 minutes of uh, you catching fish and never getting tangled or never losing a fish or you know when it comes to hunting you know it's just i'm hunting i hunted kill shot done right if you actually get to experience all those other things in between
2: and all the work and all the frustration that sometimes can happen along the way but i think it's important to show that too because it isn't you know, it's always fun, but there's definitely challenges along the way. And I think it's important, especially for anybody that's new to fly fishing, to understand, you know, and I'm I'm thinking of a video idea even now, like, you know, it's okay to fail because you're going to, and it's okay. And because you're going to be able to make the cast the next time or catch the fish the next time, or the next time the fish won't come unhooked or unbuttoned, and it's okay. It's okay to fail because we all do it. Even me, after fly fishing, since I was 16 years
0: old, I still fail yep. and that's it's okay cool. and that's how you learn right and yep. relearn. i mean those are lessons that we may have learned at one time but you got to relearn them again because you're like it's just a reminder like oh this this stuff does happen here i need to be able to you know remember this what did i do what how do i fix it what did i do to fix it and i think that's just being human
2: yeah i'm still growing today in fly fishing i mean i'm still learning new things today and part of this youtube journey as well it's open me up to, to discovering new places. Um, I don't always go to the same place where I know I'm going to catch a fish. So they call it like blue lining or, or finding new places to fish. It's inspired me to do that. And I've, and I've learned a lot of things along along the way as well about fishing different fisheries and different places and different climates. And even my own casting, I've, I've improved my casting in the last three years after doing tutorials because I noticed after watching some of my videos, I was opening my wrist in the back cast. So I'm more conscious of that. So it's 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 having the realization that if if you're willing and able to grow in the sport, at every year and every year you're involved in every level is where you'll continue to improve. And I think by showing that and admitting that when I when I can do something better, I think is a powerful thing um, to teach somebody who's new, right? Because you're never going to be perfect ever, yeah. and it's okay. Totally.
1: Uh, I think it's an, I think that's what makes you real and authentic. Um, I, I tell clients before every trip that's exactly the same thing. Like I may have been doing this for a while. Um, but I'm always learning and I'm always learning, especially from new people, like people with new perspectives. Um, you know, I'll, I'll learn a lot of stuff from clients that have never even fly fished before in their life. And, um, just the way they're approaching it, the way their perspectives are, I might not be learning how to fly fish from those people, but I'm learning how to address maybe that the, the viewpoint that they're um, or their perspective that they're coming into fishing and fly fishing from maybe how to interact with a certain type of person or just to, you know, enjoy the experience, how they're enjoying the experience. Maybe it's, maybe it's not how I, have been, have been viewing fly fishing or been viewing my guide trips, but the way that they're experiencing it, the way they're enjoying their trip kind of opens my eyes. So I, I, I just think there's so many different ways and so many
2: different types of people to learn from. Yeah. I mean, with uh, Kobe, my stepson, which has been in several of my videos, I'm, I learned, I taught him how to fly fish five or six years ago and I'm learning things from him today. Um, Cause he, he can be, I don't know what the word is, whether it's a visionary or, he he thinks outside the box when it comes to fly fishing especially with somebody like myself that have been doing it for so long there's certain things that we know that's going to work right and we stick to those certain things he is really good at finding new ways to catch fish and there was a recent trip and i don't want to hot spot this particular lake but there was a recent trip to a lake that was there was never there was never any chance that a, that you can catch a, one of these La and cutthroat on a dry fly. Well, after his indicator got eaten a couple of times, you know, because I always do you catch La hot and cutthroat either on a sinking line or you have to have an indicator and something down below. They'll never eat a dry, that's a fluke. He tied on a Chernobyl ants. And I said, Well, you better better tie on a dropper on that if you're gonna catch fish. And we ended up having one of the most epic two days of dry fly fishing for Lahot and Cutthroat, sight fishing on a lake. And I mean. And I would have never thought of thinking that far outside the box of what I think would work or wouldn't work because that's what I've been doing for decades. And because he just has a younger mind and, you know, wants to try new things, he has garnered, I mean, there are a lot of times where I'm like, hey, Kobe, what what are you using? Do you have another one of those gummy midges in your box or, you know, one of those dry flies in your box? Because he, he's... Figured it out, right? And I'm I'm learning from him now because he he's not prone to the same habits that, that I might have been in for the decades that I've been fly fishing. So and that's one thing I, I think uh when you can bring in, you know, new people into this sport, it's gonna it's it evolves, right? You can grow and learn from people that have just started, like you were saying, right? Because it, it opens you up to different perspectives of what potentially could work or not work or find success, right? So it's pretty cool.
0: So, I have a question for you. So, you're getting ready for to go on a trip or on a guide trip. How do you? What do you do to combat expectations, right? Because I'm sure that you go out, you're hoping that you're, you know, especially when you're recording videos, you're like, I want to catch fish. I need to catch fish for content. Not, I mean, not always necessarily, but it's always, you know it's more beneficial to catch fish on a video. What do you do like, uh, necessarily to kind of like get your mind right instead of having like high expectations. Right. Does that that make sense?
2: It does. Um, um, I don't want this, you know, I don't want this to sound. I'm trying to figure out how to articulate this. I don't often get skunked. Now I'm not, I'm not saying that that's because, um, I'm this great fly fisherman or great fisherman. Um, I generally find success. So I don't feel pressure. I, I um, find ways to catch fish, right. It's, I'll probably go through 20 different flies before I can figure it out. And kind of like we talked about earlier, right. A lot of fly fishing is very similar from place to place you go. And there's certain tactics that, Work better in other places, but generally, right there's a there's a large book of tactics that will work in most places. And I generally catch fish. There's it hasn't been often, nor I've been completely blank, so I don't feel pressure. Um, because I generally find success when it comes to catching fish, so that pressure isn't there for me. Now there are times that I've gone out and I haven't caught anything, and that's okay, right? Either I have a couple of videos where I, you know, I fish year round that I just, you know, it's wintertime and just being out here and enjoying the outdoors and fish, catching a fish is a bonus, right? So I try to pass that message along as well when I have a slow day or if I don't catch any fish, or maybe it turns into something tutorial that I'll do. Again, part of being authentic and real, right? I don't want to paint a picture that every time I go out, I'm catching fish after fish, after fish, after fish, after fish. After fish. I want to paint a real perspective of, you know, there are days that I might just catch one um, or there's days that, that I may not catch any and that's okay. The, I did feel pressure though, this weekend, I felt a little pressure because I was working on that video series, the Walmart, I'm doing a Walmart, you know, you can catch a fish with a fly rod for $72 and I needed to get a fish in the net and I was having a hard time with that. So uh, uh, Kobe and I went fishing at a local lake and he caught fish. I, I had one hooked, we couldn't land it. So then I thought, you know, I'm going to go to this lake that I know it's going to be money, right? I need now on, now I'm there because I need to get, uh, I need to put a fish in the net with this fly rod set up from Walmart. And I worked five hours to catch that one fish. So I started to feel a little bit of pressure when I had a couple that, you know, came, came off as I couldn't get them into the net. I was like, geez, I got two hours left to light. So there are times, right, that, that I needed to put a fish in the net with this particular fly rod, which, as you know, can be tough in the winter wintertime. Um, so that was that was one recent time that I felt a little bit of pressure. But generally, um, I'll, I'll find I'll find a way to catch them. So yeah. I don't typically feel like I need to, um, um, you know, I don't go in with that mindset. Right. Right. Um, I, am a firm believe, believer of, you know, we talked about good karma, you know, you bring about what you think about. I go in with the attitude that I'm, I'm going to catch something cool today. And I've caught some amazing fish just because I'm putting that out there in the universe. That makes yeah. sense.
0: No, well, it does. That's great. That
1: totally makes sense. Um, I think that's, a. Uh... Something that I I try to do as well. And, and as a um as a guide with and having clients and being able to do that with clients, um, something I noticed in the last couple of years, you know, those fish feed off of good vibes. I I feel like. And if I'm starting to get stressed, maybe we haven't caught enough, maybe we haven't caught our first fish, haven't put a fish in the net, or you know, maybe the client isn't um is so focused on catching a fish (laughs) or a bunch of fish that sometimes you kind of have to pull yourself back kind of rein them back like hey it's more about the experience we're just having a good time we're just being chill it seems like the moment that you start putting off those good confident vibes is that's when things start to happen like um, a couple days ago you know we were uh, my wife and I were ice fishing here in Anchorage we had some friends meet us at the lake and I was a little stressed out right because I'm They've never ice fished. So I'm, I'm showing them and I haven't been fishing in a while. Cause I just got back from a trip and I'm trying to like rig up rods and set things up. And then they're just, I don't know if they had any expectations. And there's dogs running around. And I'm like, Oh man, there's so much going on. The fishing sucked. And I, and as they were leaving, I, I talked to my wife I'm like the moment they leave, nothing against them, but the moment that they left and I told him like the moment that they leave, the fishing's going to get better. Cause I knew that they'd be feeding off of, you know, my vibes. I'm not stressed. I mean, I'm, I'm confident we're going to catch fish. And it's what happened is the moment they left is like the fishing, I don't know if the fishing just turned on or what, but I think a lot of it had to f- deal with those good vibes that I was like putting out there and it's like, boom, boom, boom. After that, the fish just started biting. And I think it was because of I'm not stressed um, maybe their expectations were not being met. So they weren't having a good time. They're not used to it. They're cold. There's a lot of different factors that go into it, but yeah, the good vibes, the confidence, I think really, really helps.
2: Well, I can't agree with you more. And I have, I have a story to, to back up your story as well. And this is recent. I was at Pyramid Lake and everyone knows Pyramid Lake. So I'm at Pyramid Lake and I wasn't getting frustrated because I wasn't catching any fish for content. I was getting frustrated because I wasn't catching any fish, right? I'm there because when that indicator goes down, it could be a 10, 15, 20 pound lot and cutthroat trout. And I was out there just get beat up by the wind and the cold and standing on that ladder and waiting for a fish. I lost a couple, I had a couple of takedowns that I missed, a couple of long releases, you know, others were catching fish and I was getting frustrated. So I went back to the trailer. My wife with me on this trip. And you know she could tell I was frazzled, right? It was just like frustrated because I was so amped up about catching one of these fish. We just got there, um, and she literally came out of the trailer and said, "You know your energy is all wrong. You need to you need to reset, reset, right? Calm me down. Talk me through it. Uh, you know we're camping. I took a I, t- I took a shot shot of vodka. Calm me down." And I went back out there and I caught five that were between eight and 12 pounds because yeah. I went out there with a different attitude, went to the same ladder, did the same thing, brought a different attitude, brought a different level of confidence and completely changed my own vibe. And I caught, and no kidding, five fish that were that big within a two hour span of having that conversation with my wife who calmed me down and just said, all right, just, just chill out, right? changed the energy and it completely changed the experience i 100 believe that
0: yeah i know a lot of the times i'm just gonna add a story in here too i know a lot of the times that you're out you know i'm out fishing with clients that if like towards my beginning days i'd be like getting stressed out like oh my gosh i'm not catching fish these people paid money like blah 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 i'm forgetting about the whole experience like kyle was saying but then when i realized like you know clients will get frustrated here and there because they'll miss a fish or especially when you're trying to get that first fish into the boat and it may be taking a little bit longer that day and uh you just i've just realized that if you you keep saying it's okay there's gonna be a next one you know keep at it keep the positive vibes going just get insane just chill like you just got to be laid back right because the second you start getting stressed out people feed on that people are yeah. like gosh like the guide's stressed out so something must be not right and i oh my gosh and blah 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 blah, blah. and so then everyone's like ah and it becomes like a house on fire and there's nothing to do because you're in a boat and you still got six hours to float with people so <laughs> just like that laid back vibe and even if it takes five hours to catch that first fish there's always going to be more opportunities
2: yeah good story so
1: dan um We've been talking about your background, your um, YouTube channel and um, you know your trips and and just just kind of covering the whole gamut. Where do you see yourself you know in five years from now, both you personally um, in the in the industry and then you know
2: your YouTube channel? You know I honestly, Kyle, I don't have a plan. this is a it's I would have never envisioned myself where I'm at today. So who knows right, where it could be in five years? I mean, I know, I know I'm going to stick to this. Um, I know that, you know, there's always something to talk about in fly fishing, and I'll continue to make content because I really enjoy it myself. Um, you know, I'll continue to align with with brands that um, support me and that I believe in. Um, you know, I have a great relationship and building a great relationship with a new company out of Bellingham, Washington, Drift. Waiters, family-owned company, great company, great product, great everything, right? It's, I envision, you know, partnering partnering up with companies like Nick's Company and Drift, I um, and who knows where that could evolve, right? This doing my first hosted trip in December seems like forever from now, but you know, the people that you meet along the way, right? That's some of the coolest thing. Who knows who I'm going to run into, and what relationship I might forge along the way that could lead to different things. So. I've, I've just kind of, I've kind of gone through this I hate using the word, but journey, right. This whole, this whole journey that I'm on and social media and just kind of letting it, it evolve by itself. And it's been nothing but positive. It's been nothing but meeting these, meeting people, these great people. And, and it is, I mean, it's a little bit of heavy responsibility sometimes when you have the impact on people. Um, You know, it's, it's, but it also is fulfilling to be able to reach people like that. So, I want to continue to inspire people to get out there. I want to continue to inspire people that can't get out there anymore that just enjoy watching fly fishing content and remembering back when. You know, I want to, um, I want to put as much positive energy out there in the universe as I possibly can and into this sport. And that's what I'm going to continue to do and where it kind of goes from there you know, just kind of let those doors come and and kind of like what we talked about before, right? You bring about what you think about. If you just keep putting kindness out there and you keep spreading a positive message, um, I just think good things will happen, right? So, and they'll just organically happen. One of the coolest things that I've done recently, um, it's so much fun to watch people's re- reaction. I got this if you watch a lot of YouTube, everyone knows who Mr. Beast is, right? He's a philanthropist, and I thought of, why Why can't I do a little bit of that on my channel? So I partnered up with a couple of companies, and I just started randomly handing out fly boxes from from Reds Flies, who's another family-owned company out of Georgia, and just walking up to people and just say, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm gonna give you a box of flies today, just because, right? And and to watch people's reaction. And one of the coolest stories happened to her, you know, people are always kind of a little bit leery, right? So I try to find timing when I go up to somebody because I don't want to just charge up on somebody. Hey, I got something for you. You know, I, I approached, it was Kobe and I were fishing at a local lake and approached a guy and just started to talk a little bit. And I said, Hey, I got a box of flies for you. He was like, what? He goes, yeah. Well, why? So well, You know, spreading random acts of kindness right on, on, on the internet, putting positive vibes out there and, and thank you for being a part of it and handed him a box of flies. And he was just floored by that. And then he rose back over about an hour later and he's like, you're not going to believe it. I just tied on that big black fly and caught the biggest cutthroat I've ever caught. I've been fishing this lake for 20 years. And I just caught a 24 inch cutthroat trout, my personal best. And it was on the fly that I gave him <laughs> randomly uh, that he caught it on. It's stuff like that, right. The, fuels me, right? That's the fuels my wanting to continue to do that. Right. If I can if I can make an impact like that in somebody's life in a very positive way, that's it makes certainly makes me feel good. And and um yeah, just to be able to spread kindness to random strangers when you I mean talk about all the some of the negativity right that that's out there as well to try to try to combat that with a with a bunch of positive energy that's that's what I'm just going to continue to do
0: yeah that's great yeah so we've covered a lot of stuff I mean you you've talked about everything is there anything else that you wanted to add that we didn't that it didn't cover or you didn't you know you just wanted to share or any message anything of that sort
2: well I think um you know trying to inspire others that want to try it again it's kind of what we if we just kind of wrap up everything that we just talked about about you know fly fly fishing is is i think if somebody decides it's listening to this and might be considering getting into fly fishing but you don't have to put away this spin gear forever or the traditional gear right but get a fly rod and i think you're going to find that there's there's just a it's a it's a different experience i don't know it's when I first, I love fishing my entire life. Right, I was fishing all the way until sixteen with traditional gear. As soon as I got a fly rod, things just changed. It's hard to describe, but the feel, the the entire experience just changes. It evolves. So I would encourage anybody that's thinking about it, do it. There are there are ways to get into fly fishing where you don't have to spend a ton of money. You know, all you need is a rod, a reel, some line, a box of flies. Stick it in your pocket. Go to your local lake. Go to your local stream and try it out, right? You don't even know, need to know how to cast 40, 50 feet. Just get the line out there far enough to where a fish can eat it. And that's it, right? And, and don't be afraid, afraid afraid to fail, right? We're all growing, including myself. We've been doing it forever. We're all growing in the sport. Don't be afraid to try it. And if you try it, I can almost assure you you're going to love it, right? It's You're just going to become obsessed with it like we all are on, on this podcast right now. So that would be my message: is is to is to, you know, for anyone look looking to get into it, is to encourage them to do it and and to take the lead because it's it's worth it, and be kind, be kind to one another. That's a that's a big one, right? So pay right. it forward.
0: Cool.
1: Well, with that, um, we appreciate that, Dan. Um, we appreciate everything that you've shared with us. Uh, we like to end our podcast with a little bit of a rapid fire round, ask you some some questions to get to know a little bit more about Dan. And um yeah, Keaton, anything else to add before we get into it?
0: Um no, just our we got a few more questions to ask you with our rapid fire, uh another question at the end, and then we'll do our exit. So all right.
1: All right, Keaton. All you right,
0: kick us off. Here we go. Rapid fire round, Dan. All right. What is favorite fish
2: to fish for? Cutthroat. Cutthroat
0: trout.
1: Is there a specific species of cutthroat or just any cutthroat?
2: Uh, Any cutthroat because they're just they just eat everything. (laughs) And they're (laughs) sluggers. They're fun to catch. And, you know, if there's an easy trout to catch, it's generally a cutthroat because you throw something in front of their face, they're going to eat it. So Lahatans have been on my mind recently just because they get so ridiculously giant and they're gorgeous fish, and to also know that you're catching kind of a, an ancient species of fish, is pretty cool. So cutthroat have been on my mind lately, and more specifically Lahontan cutthroat, and trying to find new places to fish for them, because they, they're not found in very many parts of the world. Yeah, Sweet. that's cool. Close second is bonefish, but it's been a long time since I found one of those.
1: What's a dream destination for you to fish?
2: A dream destination would be Belize.
0: Nice. Love to go there. All right. You're going out. You're hitting the water. What is your favorite like snack and beverage to take out while you're fishing? Uh adult beverage or we <laughs> can do adult. Let's do an adult beverage and then let's do like a just like a drinking beverage. All right. So my adult beverage
2: is uh an IPA. I love a really good hoppy IPA. So I'm always gotta uh ipa in fact i even started a series fly gear and beers as i was trying out new local ipas i love the ipa and i love bringing along um you know other than that it's uh i try to stay hydrated so if i'm not drinking an ipa i'm drinking a lot of water so i don't necessarily bring you know sodas or anything else like that because you're usually loaded full of tons of sugar and everything else but so it's, it's, I know it's boring, but that's the honest truth. I'm drinking water or I'm drinking an IPA. Sometimes I might have a screwdriver, you know, if I'm camping and I've got my little Yeti, you know, thing that you hear dangling off my waiting belt. That's usually vodka, orange juice and that if I'm yeah. camping. So, <laughs> and my favorite snack is, uh, you know, I'm, I, I really enjoy the baked In fact. Right? That's what I've been snacking on today. <laughs> today, I, just, I can pretty much erase an entire bag of lays in in a sitting. Love it. I've also been known to eat an entire brick of graham crackers in one sitting too.
0: Graham crackers are a good one and just good to have out. Good energy source.
1: You got to have that sweet and or, and or savory things out there on the water I found. That, that really helps you get through your day. Peanut
2: butter and jelly sandwiches are my big go-to when it comes to packing, mostly because I'm lazy and they're easy to make. And they taste great. And they do taste great, especially the Puyallup Farms raspberry jelly. so good. Oh, we'll have to try that.
1: All right, Dan, what are you listening to when you're driving to your destination?
2: You know, it's interesting you said I have a lot of different playlists, and it's generally um, upbeat Kind of music that gets me energized, right? Sometimes I put on '80s rock. Sometimes it's just '80s. Sometimes it's metal, right? I'm putting some Metallica on there, and I'm just kind of getting charged up there. Sometimes it's uh, uplifting and positive, like uh, called, you know, I get my dopamine rush before before I get out there and start fishing. So it really kind of depends, you know, on on the vibe. But generally, it's it's upbeat music that's kind of charging me up as I'm as I'm getting wherever close to wherever i'm going i do like the 80s genre it's probably my favorite genre
0: awesome um you're headed out the door to fish what's one thing that you won't forget when you're going out fishing
2: my net that
1: yeah what about what is something that you can't leave the house without something you're superstitious about that you have to have with you whenever you fish
2: Usually, it's my—I have a go-to rod that I use. I don't know if it's really superstition, but my Sage five-weight TCR and large Arbor uh, Orvis Battenkill two reel goes everywhere with me. I I can't remember a fishing trip that I haven't taken that rod since I've got it twenty years ago, and it looks like it's worn out. I'm just waiting. (laughs) I don't want to. I'm not even going to say it. So it goes. It goes everywhere with me. It's gonna always yeah. go everywhere with
0: me. We get. It. We'll we'll paint the picture in our head, so, right? What's uh, something you wish you knew when you first started youtubing?
2: Um, the really kind of going back is filtering out some of the noise, right? That thicker skin.
0: Yeah.
2: Early on, uh,
1: what's the best piece of advice that you could give your
2: younger self? Best piece of advice I can give my younger self uh, as it relates to fly fishing. Yeah, fly fishing or just personally. Yeah.
0: Uh,
2: I wish I would have. In I wish I would have had more courage to explore new places when I was younger. I would always go back to the same spots that I caught fish. Was apprehensive about going to a new lake or a new stream. I wish I would have told myself back then. try new places go discover new places i wish i had done more than that when i was earlier a younger
0: you're inspiring me dan i'm i'm that guy i like have my spots that i like to fish seasonally that's what i go and do but it's like that consistency aspect like i know what i'm gonna get right yep
2: but keaton if you finally fish that river you've been driving past every single day or that lake it is so fulfilling uh, I can tell you from experience because I've only recently really started to do that and I've discovered some incredible fisheries by just trying and exploring like incredible stuff. One of which I'll share with you, Kyle, off air. Sounds good. Because it's in your neck of the woods. Sweet. I'm I'm excited to hear it.
1: <laughs> All, right. All right. I'll go for it. You're the best. Oh, you're the oh, guy. No,
0: no, no, you're good. No, you do it. Take it and I'll do the exit.
1: Okay. So we like to end every uh, episode, Dan, with um, your favorite uh, fishing story ever. Could be fly fishing, could be spin fishing.
2: It's your favorite uh, fishing story. Oh my gosh. Well, I hate, you know, I don't want to repeat a story because one of the, one of the coolest most recent stories was that one uh, with, with Kobe, where we had this epic dry fly day, so I already told that story, but that was pretty cool. I mean, that's that's a story that has actually inspired the presentation that I do now for fly clubs because it's such a cool story. I mean, it's for him to be able to think outside the box and and figure that out and catch Lahat and Cutthroat, turn them around on these giant erasers that we're throwing. They're swimming by, and you throw that out there, they'll turn around and eat it. It was just such a cool moment, but I think. Something that really stands out is when I went to Christmas Island for my second trip. Uh, my godson, Ren and I went, and we were fishing for giant trevally. So we had a day that we we were going to try to land one of those big giant trevallis on a fly rod. First ca- cast on my 12-way rod, fly strike, breaks the rod right in half. So <laughs> I'm like, now what? So I had... It's actually, in my video, I said it was an eight-weight, but it's a nine-weight. I misspoke. So it's a nine-weight. It's a nine-weight Sage XI-2 that I was using for bonefish. And I said, screw it. So I took my big Reddington giant you know, reel off, put it on my XI-2, and I landed a 90-pound GT on a nine-weight wow. and nearly spooled me, burned out the reel. The drag was toast, right? And the Reddington had a cork. Uh, drag on it, but it completely eliminated the cork. There was nothing left. It was palming it at the very end. I could hear the rod making noises down by the butt, so I didn't put too much pressure on it. I was pointing it at the fish most of the time because if I were to rear back, it would have busted the rod right at the cork. And I ended up landing that gigantic GT 40 minutes later on a 9-weight. And that rod, it's one of the, we talk about favorite rods, right? That rod, the 5-weight goes with me, the Sage TCR goes everywhere I go, any type of trout fishing, that Sage XI-2 goes everywhere saltwater fishing. I have caught fish up in Alaska, on the Igigik River, I've caught uh, bonefish, I've caught giant trivali, I've caught I spent three hours battling over a hundred pound tarpon on that nine weight. Um, I've caught some incredible fish. I've broken the rod twice (laughs) once when I was on the river, we were flying over and there were clouds of fish or what I thought were seaweed, but there were clouds of fish over the, over the river. So the, the pilot circled around, landed, landed on the river. I caught so many wild silver coho salmon, and finally, I was netting one and trying to trying to get it in the net, and it ran and it broke the tip. I ended up fishing the rest of the day with two thirds of a rod because I had the wind to my back, so I was still able to cast it. But that rod has been so many places and caught so many cool fish. But that was uh, that GT was probably one that really stuck out the most because I was actually able to land it. That's insane! That's awesome!
0: <laughs> That's cool! That's and cool. what a! the rod tells a story too. I mean, every time you take it out, it's kind of like a flashback to all these memories, huh?
2: I believe it. Yeah. And my, my dad, who's still with us, thankfully, he lives in West Virginia. He's not fly fishing anymore really at all because he's in his his eighties and can't really get around. So he, all of a sudden, all this gear started coming to me. One of my favorite rods is a, is a Winston that has his name embroidered on it, a little three weight. And that's, that's been a, a rod that's been going almost everywhere with me now as well, because it has a lot of nostalgia and it's caught a lot of fish and there's a lot of good fish karma. It's I feel like my dad's with me the whole time I'm fishing it. Cause his name's always right down on the right above the cork every time I look down at it. So it's, it's that's uh cool. it is, I mean, there's, you know, some people believe fly rods or rods in general are kind of disposable. There are probably a few that are, but you know, a lot of them over time start, There's a little. There's so much memory and so many experiences and that happened with that fly rod. I can't wait to pass those down myself to my family because I I really do believe there's there's some pretty good pretty good energy that gets built up in a particular rod that you're fond of and use and have used all over the place and catch some amazing fish and amazing experiences. Yeah, that's that's why I never check my rods ever if I'm traveling. Um, I don't leave, ever leave a rod in the car and thank God for that new third hand OPro's things. I've carried two rods in one of my hand before, because I won't, don't want to leave any of that stuff and, and risk, risk it being stolen or something like that. So break a rod, you could always fix it. You know, it would, it would be devastating to, to lose some of those rods because they are, they become part of you. I know that was a really long answer to your quick question. So sorry about that.
1: No, that's great. We love it.
0: Well, cool. All right. I'm going right. to ready to do the exit. Let's do it. All right. Well, that was another episode of the Young Guides podcast. We just really want to thank Flyfish Dan for hopping on and taking time out of his busy schedule to hop on with some young guides. You know, it's it's an honor to talk to him and what an inspiration he's doing for all the fishing community in the Pacific Northwest. So, Really, really proud of Dan, and uh, you'll probably see him in future podcasts, or maybe you'll see us in some future videos on, on his YouTube. So make sure to go show some love. Uh, Dan, what's your YouTube channel so people can fly fish Dan? Fly fish Dan, plain and simple, right on the platter, just served right to you. Go check it out. Um, follow him on uh, Instagram, right? It's also fly fish Dan. Yep, and and He's you gotta. Well facebook too so make sure to go show some love follow um subscribe um it means a lot to him and it means a lot to us to to see him uh excel so thank you kyle appreciate you having me thank you yeah absolutely some uh upcoming events we got uh january uh friday january 13th we're doing a fly tying event um you can find that on eventbrite um spaces are limited we're filling that one up um we're really excited about that one. Um, we also are doing on a Friday, January 27th, we're doing a turkey talk with Russ. Um, that's going to be awesome. He's going to talk about everything turkeys um, and just kind of get you better, better and ready for spring turkey. So, And the fly tank event's going to be, we're going to partner with Snoqualmie Rod Co. Uh, Wes is a great guy and he's going to be teaching us a couple uh, uh, trout patterns and steelhead patterns. So, can't wait for those. And then stay tuned because we're going to be putting on some in February, uh, March, April, May, hopefully up till May. And then that's kind of when we start getting busy again. So, um, we're really excited to be hosting these and we hope to see some of you there. Um, I also want to promote Dan's hosted trip coming up. Uh, I know it's 12 months away, but it's, uh, It's a great time to start planning for that kind of stuff. You know, you can save up, you can get into, uh, talk to Dan, get to learn more about the trip. So if you're interested in that, you can reach out to Dan through social media, Dan.
2: Yes. Or my website. I do have a website now, flyfishdan.com.
0: All right. Go visit flyfishdan.com and reach out to him. And, um, I can guarantee it's going to be a great time. So, um, what a way to experience a fly out trip. It should be amazing. Um, we all, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we also want to just thank everyone for uh, taking the time and listening to our podcast and showing us love. Uh, without you guys, it'd be nothing. So uh, I know we say this every time, but uh, we're just we're just ecstatic to have people take the time and listen to some of the knowledge that we've learned. And then uh, if you can show us some love, uh, go give us a follow on Instagram. Shout out to all the people who helped us reach 700. Uh, that's crazy in a year. You know we went from. Pretty much zero to 700 in a year, and that, that means a lot to us. So if you're liking what you're hearing, uh, and you can go on to Apple Podcasts for us, uh, leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. If we're doing great, we'd love a great review. Uh, if there's things we can improve on, you can leave us a review there or visit our website and send us a, a, one of our uh, – what do you call that? I'm spacing it, Kyle.
1: Mail, contact.
0: Yeah, our conjure or yeah we have like a contact tab on our on our uh, website so you can go there or you can reach out through social media too. Um, if you're looking to be on our podcast or you think you know someone that might want to be on our podcast, reach out to us and we love to try to get in contact with them. Um, that's how we we I knew Dan but uh that's how I got I got to meet Dan was through you know Facebook pages and getting to know him so uh, we just really appreciate that um Kyle anything else we want to add here
1: uh nope I, I think that's about it um appreciate everybody listening appreciate Dan for coming on and um, we're super stoked for this uh 2023 season um we've got a lot of great um guests planned coming down the pipe here in the next few weeks but you know we're excited to see where we're going into the rest of the year and the guests that we can have on return guests. Um, You know, when it comes to return guests, um, now that we've talked to that person, got their background, now we can go a little bit more in depth in certain topics. So we're excited to uh, bring you guys that in this next season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. One thing, one more thing I want to add is make sure to go show our partners some love. Uh, Alaska Rodco. Heather's Choice, uh, Shelly Arch Studio, um, Lucky Bug Lures, uh, Northern Knits, and then NWTF South Sound Strutters. Uh, all of them are doing great stuff for the industry. As much as they are business, they also are really about conservation. And so that's why they pair nicely with me and Kyle. So we're really excited to have those people on board, all those people join. And um, yeah, we're just, we're just stoked. Just super excited about 2023. And uh, yeah, we're blessed for sure. So Um, with that being said this was another episode of the young guys podcast and we'll catch you on the next one fish on
1: you the music